0: Welcome to Newsworthy with Norisworthy. Get ready for some awesome. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Podbean, the all-in-one podcast hosting, publishing platform. These are the people that bring you this podcast week in and week out. They've taken good care of me, and if you're interested in getting a podcast or taking your podcast to the next level, they need to be friends of yours. And now with their new mobile app, You can podcast, post podcast directly from your phone, whether you use Android or iOS. So you can actually record and post directly from your phone. How easy is that? The answer? Very easy. So if you're interested in starting a podcast or you're interested in figuring out how to post some teaching, some lessons, some curriculum, some anything, go to podbean.com backslash newsworthy. They'll take good care of you. All right, I've got two things I want to tell you about. Um, I'll tell you about this episode in a second. Um, it's a special one. It's different. Um, but I want to talk to you about something else. I got a book that uh, it's... it's. Uh, I think I let the cat out of the bag that I've got a book that I've been writing for a while. And uh, it officially assigned signed the contract for this book. It's actually a two book deal. Um, and so we signed the contract for the first one that'll be done in a couple months. And the next one will be done at the end of next year. Theoretically, I, I mean, it'll be done. It, it's good. If you're listening from Baker, uh, I've got it. It's, it'll be done. We're, we're good. But, um, this first book, I'm very excited about it's been something I've been working on for a long time. In a lot of ways, it is the, uh, the fruit of a lot of the work that I've been doing on the podcast. I think the reason I started the podcast was trying to make sense of my own faith and the place in which I started the podcast from is definitely not the place that I'm at now in my own spiritual journey, like my own uh, evolution as a person. And I think helping me get to where I am today with my faith uh, was a lot of these conversations. And so I'm very excited to tell you all this. Um, I think working titles are like... They always change. There's no reason talking about that. But the idea of the book, uh, the working title actually is uh, God Over Good and the idea is uh, sometimes the very thing that saves your faith is learning to lose your expectations. And so we talk about a lot of the um, all the big things that have come up over and over again on this podcast and it goes kind of behind the scenes in some of the stuff and uh most of all, uh, I'm, I'm very excited to share it with you. It's a, it's, a, it's a book. It's a story that I think you'll find compelling. And, yeah, I had someone on Twitter say, hey, you should an episode uh, talking about the process. And I don't know if anyone wants to hear an entire episode on that. Maybe just like that person who might be my mom, uh, just disguised on a fake Twitter account. But, I mean, the real process is the same thing that uh, is the process behind the podcast. It's trying to make sense of ideas and... Uh, I was talking to someone not not too long ago uh, on the trip that my friend Johnny and I went on to an undisclosed location. It's Greece. I don't know why I need to not disclose that, but Jonathan doesn't want it disclosed. Um, About, like, how do you become a writer? And I think really what makes someone a writer is that you um, you find a vein and you open it up and you just bleed onto the page. And it has to be... The things that motivate you it, it has to be the things that that drive you to wake up in the morning and to read the books and to have the conversations and for me that's what this book is it's me um making sense of my faith and making sense of the, the questions that i have and i hope you all are very excited to read it and more importantly buy it um <clears throat> and get your friends to buy it uh please would be really appreciative and i'm excited uh i've had a, a great agent greg daniel who's been uh like a ninja, just a ninja getting this thing out there, and uh, I'm excited to be working with Baker. Uh, Baker is actually a publisher that reached out to me uh, long before I had a proposal that I was shopping around, and they said, "Hey, are you interested in writing?" And so when they um, when they got in at the the old negotiation process, um, I was very excited. They were very excited about the project too, and they um, they're who we chose, and I'm very. Uh, very excited to have a publisher who is as interested in this project as they are. So look for that. I'll be keeping y'all updated on that. And yeah. And let me tell you something else I'm very excited about. So I'm excited about the book, and I'm excited about something that happened uh, at the church that I'm a part of here in Austin, Texas, the Westover Hills Church. Um, and I'm actually going to play you something that took place last Sunday um, so don't worry I'm not going to do this every week uh, I just recorded a great podcast with Brian Zahn that will come out in a few weeks uh, we've got one with um, James Martin that is actually supposed to record a couple days ago but it's going to be out uh, or he was sick and so we had to reschedule it for next week uh, but we have some really good stuff coming up Jeremy Courtney I think we've got something scheduled with him in a week so there's uh, good stuff we'll go back to that after this but this week I wanted to share with you something that happened at our church in Austin Next door to us is the St. Matthew's Episcopal Church, and they had a little bit of an issue. Um, over Lent, we were at their office, Scott and I. Scott is the um, executive minister I work with. Give me a second. Someone's walking in my office. Oh, we're good. I'm good. Thank you, though. No, we don't need trash. Thank you. Um... um yeah, Scott is the uh, executive minister I work with. Uh, we use the m- metaphor of a mullet. He is the business in the front to my party in the back. Anyway, so the mullet and I were uh, across the street uh, at St. Matt's, and we were talking uh, with the uh, rector and the JV rector. I think that's his, his official title. Uh, Merrill and Christian, and they said to us, hey, in July, our power is going to be out. Can we come join you for a service? And we said... Yes, not only should you join us, as in like sit in the seats, but we want you to participate. And so we had this joint service where uh, all four of us participated in different uh, forms and fashions, but it was an amazing thing where we had two churches that have been side by side for years, but have never really done anything together, get together for a service. And uh, Meryl and I preached together, and so you're going to hear that later in this episode. And it was just such a blessing to see two churches um, walk across the proverbial street and the literal street and be united over something bigger than their own denominational name. And as many of you who uh, are leaders at churches know, rarely do you do anything that doesn't elicit some criticism. But we have honestly had absolutely zero criticism or complaints or concerns from anyone at our church over this event, which is mind-blowing. I was was at um, dinner last night with one of my uh, co-workers, Cliff, and he got a text from one of his friends saying, so how many people left over having the Episcopal priest there? And the answer is like, no, like our church was genuinely excited about this. And it was almost as if our church has finally realized it's not wrong to be a part of a different denomination than yourself, and so. Intellectually, we're all there, but we never had an act to say this is really a solid. Like we we haven't we didn't have an opportunity to have an act of solidarity with another church until Sunday in this capacity. I mean, our, we have Good Friday services with some uh, Baptist churches around us, but there's never been a service like this. And the energy, the enthusiasm, the insight, uh, the excitement was so um, was so special that. I wanted to share this with you, and so this is a tag-team sermon I did um, with the Reverend Merrill Wade, and I hope you all enjoy it. So, uh, here it is. Enjoy. Well, let me get, which side do you want to be on? Uh, which side do you want to be on? I just want you to be happy.
1: <laughs> this is how all the riffs started <laughs> hundreds of years ago. <laughs> which side do you, do you get on? <laughs> all right. Oh, I'll put you on that side. Okay.
0: Deal. And I'll pull this over to you. Oh. And let's, let's note, first and foremost, that an Episcopalian priest does have a Bible.
1: Listen, I don't know how well you can see this Bible, but this is evidence that across the street we read the Scriptures. In fact, in our Sunday services, we read four lessons from the Scriptures. And so, not to sh- not, we're not trying to show off here, right? We're off. not in any kind no. of competition, right? No. Does, do you have a Bible that looks like this? I, I do, but here's the difference.
0: They let me talk more than 12 minutes each Sunday. That's the main yeah, difference. Yeah, well, let
1: me say this to you, Luke. <laughs> I, in preparing for this and getting to know you, which has really, really been so great, really. Uh, I've listened to some of your sermons online, you know? And it's great because the first sermon, which lasts about 10 minutes... <laughs> Was really good. Then the second sermon, which lasts another 10 minutes, is really good. Then it's of like, land the plane. Luke. <laughs> Come on, bring it in, man. Bring, bring, bring in. Here's the thing I will land the plane if you let me borrow your collar. All right. <laughs> Come on. Listen, listen. I need help with this. <laughs> How can you be an authentic minister and not have your shirt tucked in? Seriously. <laughs> What is that? What is that? <laughs> I mean, you really, I mean, I don't, I don't think you need to have a collar. Need, I don't subscribe to some idea that we're all supposed to look alike. Yeah, I, but I, this? <laughs> it, it's cute, though. I got it. Thank yet. you. Thank you. you know, I want you to have the effect you want in okay. your ministry, you know? And if you know cuteness what? is what it's about, that's, that's not a bad thing. <laughs> this is going to be fun. <laughs> this is going to be great.
0: Okay, so uh, the story is, we got to know each other uh, months back. Actually, one of uh, our elders, uh, you would call them board or vestry. Vestry. Wardens.
1: I mean, I, we're English. We're old England. They already seem like wardens. Got past we gotten don't that, need to actually. give them that name. Yeah, um, wardens, that's not a good name, really. I mean, if you think about the warden, <laughs> yeah. what does the warden look after, right? But we have wardens.
0: That's fitting. So one of my wardens told me uh, to go meet y'all. There was uh, someone in the hospital, and uh, he got to know uh, Christian. And uh, we got to know you over the last few months, and it has been an absolute blessing. And so when we found out uh, back during the season leading up until Easter. Lent. Do you guys call that Lent? We call it the season leading up until Easter. Oh, nice. (laughs) Nice. We found out about this tragedy of July with no AC, and we thought, we know the story of the Good Samaritan. What better way than to be the Good Samaritan? Get us out of the ditch. Yeah, come on yeah, over. thank you. Come on over. Yeah, it's Okay, so let's talk, uh, for someone who's never been acquainted with your tradition, yeah. uh, how long has it been around?
1: We go back to Peter. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Peter. Yes, Peter. I've heard of him. Yes. Uh, the Episcopal Church goes back to the Church of England. So we were, we were the church in England. The, we were the Queen's Church, the Royal Church. We were the established church that gave everybody fits in England to where, when you have pilgrims coming to get away from the persecution of the established church, that's us. Yep. That's well, awesome. to be fair, there's royalty in our tradition as well. Yeah.
0: Um, the starting quarterback for UT, Colt McCoy, used to come yeah. to this church. So
1: basically the same thing. You yeah, know, I know. I would stand out in the parking lot and see if I could see Colt yeah. show up. And Just was- touch the hem of his garment. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, does he, does he tuck his shirt in? I, I, I don't Did know. Did Colt McCoy tuck his shirt in when he came? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right, right, right. You're really turning on me here. Like, no, you've won no, the crowd no, over. No, 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 Yeah. This is about love. It's a, it's a, it's a lot. But I'm going to tell the truth. I mean, in, in a real mm-hmm. confessional sense, it hasn't always been about love. It's, it hasn't been about uh, a lack of fa- affection, it's been about a lack of willingness. Uh, and I own this. Uh, I've been at St. Matthew's 15 years. In fact, it was 15 years ago this weekend that I started at St. Matthew's. And uh, never once, never, I never once walked across the street to introduce myself to your pastor. I don't know why. I mean, The only thing I can actually say is I didn't think there was anything for me at the Church of Christ. I didn't feel so superior to it. It wasn't anything like that. I just, as an Episcopal priest, I didn't have, an, I didn't feel a sense of needing to come across the street and it wasn't about not wanting to make friends. It was about as a priest, I just didn't know what, what I was going to gain by it. And frankly, I think it's just a case of thinking very small, being, you know, being attached to our six acres, didn't have some sense of rivalry. I wasn't against the church of Christ. In fact, Bob Bailey, one of your members, tried to get me to come over a, a time or two. That's right. We just, it didn't happen. And I, I want to say the absolute joy of being here and making friends and finding out how much we share in common, it's, frankly, it's the nature of, of sin. Yep.
0: Yep. And I think we need to own up to our, our part of that, too. Uh, when I was a kid, I was told that uh, going proverbially across the street and worshiping uh, with whatever denomination it is—whether it's the, the Lutherans or the Methodists—it would be the equivalent of the Israelites in the Old Testament worshiping with the Canaanites. Oh, wow. And so we were uh, deeply entrenched in that same sort of attitude. But it was almost a, a collective sense that um, that we're the right ones and everyone else is wrong. And uh, as a parent. I can't imagine anything more heartbreaking than if someone went to one of my daughters and said your dad doesn't love you. And in some ways we as a church when we've said we're the only right church, we've been going to God's children and saying, "Hey, guess what? Your heavenly parent doesn't love you." Mm. And I can't imagine anything more heartbreaking as a parent. I can only imagine what our heavenly parent feels about that. But I think you're right. It's it's the way of sin. And it's
1: sin makes us small. Sin yeah. wants to reduce us to our immediate uh, family and church, and to play small and not think about collaboration, not think about partnership, friendship, not reaching out to the people on the other side of the aisle, not being in a red state reaching out to blue—all the sort of things that constitute the failure in our society, but also with, with, within us. Paul. Writes with a, a real objectivity about this, our flesh works against us. The flesh in and of itself is not truly evil, but we have this need to protect ourselves, to control what's around us in order to feel secure, and it creates what a kind of embedded fear. And that fear is we see it in anxiety and in a real Anxiety about anybody that looks different than us or behaves differently or believes differently, that in some way we have to win, we have to to prove that we 're better than they are, or that in, in some sense that i 'm right and they 're wrong and this is this is in our nature as Paul would write it
0: yep. and that's that 's our text for today
1: so in the episcopal lectionary the the way we, the way we do this with reading four lessons a week is. Uh, All 52 Sundays of the year are scheduled in a three-year cycle, which means we emphasize uh, Paul's letters, various letters in various seasons. We read through the resurrection narratives in the Easter season. In the long Pentecost season, uh, the green season of learning, we read uh, a course reading through one of the, the synoptics, Matthew, Mark, or Luke with John interspersed in there. So one of the things that we do say at, at the, in the Episcopal we're a Bible church, we're a church very oriented to reading scripture and we fundamentally believe that when scripture is read aloud in the hearing of people and people have focused their hearts to listen that, that God speaks, that Jesus is actually present speaking to us. It's even though it's not Jesus writing, it's Jesus speaking to us as the scriptures are read. So with that, uh, what I, I like to think is a, a Christian understanding of, of, of course and group reading of Scripture I want to read from Romans 7. I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now if I do what I do not want, I agree that the law is good. So then it is no longer I that do it, but sin which dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells within me that is in my flesh. I can will what is right, but I cannot do it. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I do. Now if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I that do it, but sin which dwells within me. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inmost self. But I see in my members another law at war with the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin, which dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I of myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. This is serious introspection. This is one of the, Paul was the first author in the New Testament. Paul is writing in Romans in the mid-50s. This is some 20 years, two decades after the death and resurrection of Jesus. Paul Paul is writing a letter to the Romans, which is meant to be a a mature theological statement about the fullness of the Christian faith as he's come to understand it, founding congregations, traveling through the Roman Empire. And Paul, in this moment of confession and, and, and introspection, is caught between his good intentions and his ill actions, his hopeful way forward in the Spirit, in Christ, as he says so often, as a member of the body of Christ, as a person called by by Jesus himself to serve. He has this passion, yet he discovers over and over again he's his own worst enemy.
0: And I think we see that in us still today, that the very thing that we want to do is not ultimately what we do, but what we do is what we we don't want to do. And I think we see this in church, Big C Church, not Little Church, but the Big C Church, where we've read Scripture, we've heard the words of Jesus, and there is a high emphasis on the idea of unity. John 17, the prayer that Jesus prays before his death He says a prayer for all of those who would believe, who will believe. And the prayer is not that they would all have their doctrine right. The prayer is not that they would all have the right form and format for what a church service is supposed to look like. Instead, Jesus' prayer on his very deathbed is that they would be one, just as me and my Father are one. That we would be unified just as God and God the Father are one. That's Jesus' prayer for all of us. But what do we do? We We fracture, we divide, we become different. We focus on the things that are different instead of what's in common. In Ephesians 4, Paul says, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit. The phrasing of that sentence is very peculiar to me because it doesn't say make every effort to create it. It doesn't say make every effort to build it. It's to create. No, it's to maintain, to keep. Paul says you, your job is to keep together what God has made together. But what happens? We, we divide because the good that we want to do, the good that we should do, is not what we do. But instead, we separate and we divide ourselves. What we often do is when things are different, we insert a negative narrative about why you do something different from me. Yeah. You, you guys do something, well, let me insert a negative narrative about how what I'm doing is better than what you're doing. Let me take your tradition and devalue it because my tradition must be somehow better. And you, I don't know if you remember this, but after um, the, the shooting in Dallas with the police officers, um, George W. Bush, President George W. Bush, was speaking at the funeral. And he had this, this great line where he said that we judge others by their worst of actions and ourselves by our best of intentions. Like, I want to be known for the things I want to do, but I'm going to look at you for what you did that you most regret. That's the way of sin, because sin is constantly dividing us. And sin, like you said, it it makes us small. The body of Christ is big, but our divisions make us small. The way of sin shrinks us down. Paul writes to the church at Corinth, 1 Corinthians 8, that love builds up. Sin makes us small, but love builds us up. And what love builds us up by is by focusing not on the differences, but on what we have in common. And one of the things that our traditions have in common is the way every week we celebrate the body that was broken and the blood that was shed. And when we do that, something happens.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it does happen. And I think about Luke's gospel in the 24th chapter. Uh, some women have been to the tomb and have found the tomb empty and, and have had an experience of Jesus. And they've come back and told the apostles. And the apostles thought it was an, remember, idle tale. They didn't believe them, right? They didn't believe them. So there was this idle tale. And uh, so two of those disciples uh, or that had heard about the resurrection and were wondering about her on the road to Emmaus, right? They're walking along. And then Jesus comes in journeys with them. And on that walking journey with them, uh, they don't recognize him. The, you know, Luke says that their eyes were kept from recognition. They were unable to know who it was. They could not tell. They're walking along and, they're, and th- they have a conversation about, are you aware... To this stranger, Jesus, are you aware of the things that took place? And, no, tell me, what things were they? What, what, was, what took place? And they told him about his death, resurrection, and we're not sure what the truth is. And they're wandering along. And then Jesus says, oh, how slow. How slow of heart and faith. And he tells them why the Messiah must suffer and be crucified and rise again and how that would be the beginning of the good news of Jesus, how that would be this this what it was about. And, and so they're hearing, and they're not, complete, apparently they're not completely cognizant of what the Lord has said to them. And it's getting dark, and they're journeying along, and, and they want to stop and get something to eat. And they go into this place to sit down and eat. And the they were the ones that invited Jesus along. So by all hospitality rules, one of those men would have been the ones that would have taken the bread and poured the cup. But instead, Jesus steps up and breaks the bread. And, and at that moment, they realize that it's the Lord. And they look and they're ready to capture that moment for eternity. By all means, they're ready to build a shrine. They're really ready to, to, to say, this is where you meet Christ. is right here in the breaking of the bread. And then he vanishes from their sight. And then as they leave, they say, weren't our, weren't our hearts burning? As he shared with us in the scriptures. To what I believe, we, we in the church of Christ... And we in the Episcopal Church, this beautiful we, what we share in common, which doesn't make us superior to anybody else, but what we share in common so deeply is a fundamental faith that Jesus is Lord and a deep awareness that he makes himself known to us as we journey through Scripture as we break the bread and share the cup in our different ways. But I want you to think about that. That early church, as Paul wrote about it in 1 Corinthians in the 40s, that I pass on to you what was passed on to me. That the, On the night before he died for us, our Lord Jesus Christ took bread, broke the bread, gave it to his friends, and said, Take, eat, this is my body, do this in remembrance of me. Then he took the cup, shared it with his friends, saying the same words. And what we know historically, Luke, is that from the very beginning, there were communities that gathered on the Lord's Day, on Sunday, and they read the Old Testament. They shared the stories, the parables, and the stories, and the healings, and the miracles of Jesus. They said the prayers. Then they stood together and they broke the bread, and they experienced the risen Christ in their midst. Maybe not something that they would see, but their hearts would burn as they recognized that he was was here, that he was in the room, that he was actually feeding them with his life and substance. And that communion, however different, we do it across the street and we do it here. That communion is a binding power that is so conclusive and gorgeous that we never should doubt it, what it means for us as people. And, you know, the other thing, the other thing is that uh, our parking lots aren't very far away, are they? (laughs) Right? I mean, uh, any given Sunday... As we're coming out of church at St. Matthew's or you're coming out of church at Westover and you see that Episcopalian car or person across the way, you can think, yeah. We took communion together. Amen. We took communion together and now we're sent out to love and serve the Lord.
0: That's good. Sin makes us small. Love builds us up, builds the church up. Just as... uh, In the road to Emmaus, they took the bread, and they realized that that is Jesus in front of them. When we take the bread and we take the cup, sometimes we look around and we realize this is the body of Jesus around us. This is the body of Christ with us. It seems that uh, immature Christianity focuses on the difference. Focuses on the differences. Because there are differences in your tradition and my tradition. And we're not trying to minimize them. We're not trying to say that they don't exist or that they don't matter or that our convictions about one thing and your convictions about another uh, are insignificant. We're not trying to minimize the differences. What we're trying to do is elevate the commonality because what we have in common is, is of first importance. This is yeah. what they talked about. This is what they gathered around. It, Paul in First Corinthians 15 says... What I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ Jesus died according to Scripture, was buried, and was resurrected. That's of first importance to us. And when we take the bread and we take the cup, we remember and also we participate in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And love builds us up because we emphasize what is of first importance. And that's that Jesus is Lord and that Jesus is the resurrected one. And that's good news for all of us. It is. So as we close, would you uh, close us in a word of prayer? Sure, sure. Let us pray.
1: Lord Jesus Christ, you said to your apostles, my peace be with you. Come amongst us in this moment. Bring peace to this community. Give us, Lord, grateful hearts as we give voice to our faith in music. Help our hearts, Lord, to come together as friends to serve a broken world. So we offer this prayer, this prayer of unity and thanksgiving, in Christ's name. Amen.
0: All right, friends. Thank you. Listen to the show. Don't forget, our sponsor for this week's episode is Podbean, the all in one podcast hosting and publishing platform. They've taken good care of me and they'll take good care of you. So if you're interested in getting started with the podcast, go check out podbean.com newsworthy. They'll take good care of you like they've taken good care of me. See you next time. for checking out Newsworthy with Northworthy, Make sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. We'll see you back here next time.